0: Today, we're going to talk about uh, something that I mentioned in last week's sermon that I said, quote, is a sermon for a different time. And as I was trying to figure out what to preach on this week, God said, well, why don't you talk about that? And I said, that's a good idea. So today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And the next week, we're going to start another four-part series that's going to take us through September that I hope you're really going to like. Um, as I was, uh, I was reading through, uh, I, was, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw a picture that comes from a kid's study Bible, right? And it was like, I'm, the caption was, I'm glad that they're not excluding any part of Scripture from the kid's study Bible. And the story that was being told in it is, of course, when Saul tells David in order to marry his daughter, he needs to bring 200 Philistine foreskins, or 100, excuse me, 100 Philistine foreskins, and David comes back with 200. So I was sitting there and I went, wow, wouldn't that be fun to preach a sermon on, but I don't know the practical application there. I was sitting at the rodeo next to my wife at the Harford Fair and Maddie goes, well, why don't you just do, you know, that would be a great sermon series, awkward stories in the Bible. (laughs) And I went, you're right. I think it would be. So starting next week, it's only going to be a little four-week one. It's not going to be eight, nine weeks like we've done in the past. Four awkward, weird stories out of Scripture and what we learn from them. That'll be next week. So you can be looking forward to that. Sadly, one of them is not the Philistine foreskins. I'm sorry. I sat there and racked my brain trying to come up with a good practical application, but I don't really want any of you to deliver that sort of thing to me. So I couldn't come up with one, so that's not one of them. Um, But there are some good ones in there, including one of my favorite stories out of Judges, uh, which we'll get to, so that'll start next week. But today so you can look forward to that. Today, we're going to look at forgiveness uh, and what the Bible says about forgiveness. If you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, uh, and if you don't want to turn, it's up there, or if you didn't bring your Bible this morning, Matthew chapter 18. And this is one of those passages of scripture that, again, you probably learned speaking of children's church, what well, you learned in children's church, right? Where Peter is like, hey, three times? And Jesus says, no, seven times, 70 times. Uh, or, or 77 times is what it says in, in, in the technical uh, translation of it. And we're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about you should forgive. And then at the end, we're going to talk about how to ask for forgiveness. Because oftentimes in church, we go, you need to forgive other people. Yes, you do, and we're going to talk about that. But we don't really talk about the fact that you also need to ask for forgiveness. And I believe, now I was raised this way, I will tell you this was taught to me by my dad. There is a way to ask for forgiveness. And we'll talk about that in about 20 minutes. Would you read with me though, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. It reads, then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had in repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what he had done, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord what had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Also in Matthew, this isn't up there, so don't need to flip. In Matthew, after the Lord's Prayer, we read that Jesus says, Listen, if you don't forgive, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Forgiveness is extremely important to God, i.e., the cross. It's one of his big things. And it's one of the big things he's commanded of us to do. So let's talk about it. Number one on your note sheets there, Peter asks. Peter asks. So let's set the scene. Peter comes up. Now, Peter, of course, right, is the impulsive one. He was always the one, if you can remember, if you're a teacher, or if you can remember back to your schooling days, um, some of us it's a little easier to remember that far back than others. But, you know, if you can remember back, there was always that kid who would ask the questions. And every time you saw their hand go in the air, as the teacher or as a fellow student, you just kind of went, oh, this guy again. That's Peter amongst the 12 disciples. So Peter walks up and he goes, hey, how many times should I forgive somebody who sinned against me? Seven times? Let's talk about that number. You see, the rabbis of that day were teaching three times. Forgive somebody three times. Okay. So Peter thinks himself pretty high and mighty. I won't do it just three times. God, I'm going to double it. Plus one. I'm pretty good, aren't I? Seven times, God. Let me. I, I'll forgive somebody seven times. He has the same mindset that we do. How often should we forgive somebody? Every single time is how Jesus answers him. Every single time. You see, we want to put a limit on how much somebody can do before we go, you're not forgiven anymore. And that's just not the case. Because if God doesn't put a limit on how many times you can wrong him and he still forgives you, how dare you and I put a limit on somebody who doesn't sin against us nearly as much as we sin against God nor as deeply. You see, we're fallen creatures. We can be in the presence of sin and it's really not that big a deal. God can't and won't. So he has two choices. Forgive or damn all of creation. He chose forgiveness. And so as Peter walks up and he goes, I'm pretty high and mighty, aren't I? I've got a pride issue. We'll talk about that later, Peter got a pride issue and I've got a forgiveness issue. That's what he's essentially saying, even though he thinks he's doing pretty good. People are going to wrong you in this life. Stop. It will happen. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, your best friend, your grandparents, your co-workers, your boss, somebody you just met. I don't care who they are. Every person you have in your life will wrong you. But the fact of the matter is, God says, forgive them nonetheless. Peter thinks he's so great because he's willing to forgive somebody seven times. And Jesus, as he often does with us and with his disciples back then, slaps them in the face with what God actually wants you to do. Let's talk about it. Number two there, Jesus teaches. So he says, no, actually seven times, 70 times, or 77 times in some translations of it, which you go, when I was a kid, I listened to Adventures in Odyssey. I still do sometimes. Maddie doesn't understand it. She's like, isn't that a kid's show? And I'm like, yeah, so I enjoy it. So in the, in the, in the, when they covered this story in one of them, somebody was like, well, should I keep a notebook and keep a tally mark? And I was like, huh, that's funny. But that's essentially what we try to do. So let's say it is 77 times or seven times 70 times, right? 140, pick which one you want to. You shouldn't grab a notebook and go, all right, dad, today he did three. He's only got 74 left. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're a kid, which if you're alive, you are, you were a kid at one point, you probably reached that 77 within the first day. So here's the thing, right? It's not a number. What God is saying, what Jesus is saying here is, don't count. Don't count the number. Don't keep a record of it, because if you do, you have not forgiven somebody. And he goes and tells this parable. There's a master and a slave, right? And the slave owes a debt worth uh, uh, 10,000 talents, right? Is that the right number? Thank you. 10,000 talents. A talent was 75 pounds, just about. Seventy-five times ten thousand. That's how much money this slave owed his master. First off, what did he do? The Bible doesn't tell us, and it's a parable, so it's not real. But my brain goes to, what did this guy do to get in that much debt? He probably went to college. Tons of debt. And he can't repay him. He, of course he can't repay him. How could, how could he repay in his whole life, he will never earn, he probably won't earn two talents worth. But he owes 10,000 talents worth. And he prostrates himself before his master and he goes, forgive me. I will, I'll keep paying, forgive me. And the master, knowing full well he will never see that money, forgives him. That same slave then goes off and his fellow slave owes him 100 denarii. One denarii was a day's wages. So he owes him about a hundred days wages. So still a significant amount. It's not even a talent. That's how much more this guy owed than the other slave. And when he prostrates himself and says, forgive me, he goes, no. He has him thrown in jail. The master finds out about it. Because the other slaves are tattletales. And he throws him in jail. He does what he had threatened to do before. Let's put ourselves in this. You owe God 10,000 talents. You will never repay it. If you live to be as old as Methuselah, the oldest person ever, you will not repay what you owe God. So you prostrate yourself before him and you beg for his forgiveness. And he says, yes, I forgive you. So you get up from your knees, you get up from the altar, right? Oh, you've just had this great experience. You feel forgiven, you're free. And you go home and, oh, I'm trying to think of a stupid example. You go home and you have a fight with your wife. You have a fight with your husband. They said some stuff that hurt and I'm not denying it. They said things that they can't take back. It's a hundred denarii's worth. A huge sum of money. But nowhere near what you owe God. And you refuse to forgive them. God doesn't need a tattletale to find out about it. That whole omniscient, omnipresent thing, he He knows. This isn't saying that if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get thrown into hell, just as the other passage in Matthew is not saying that. What it is saying, though, is if you are expecting the blessings of God in your life, you will not get them. As long as you hold unforgiveness in your heart. You won't get them. Because God is not forgiving you. Your ultimate sin, yes, is forgiven. And and we talked about that before. I do not believe, and this church does not believe, that you can lose your salvation. You can lose the blessing of God. And he is more than willing to take it away. And the Bible is pretty clear that unforgiveness towards another human is one of the key things that he's looking for that causes him to take his blessing off of you. I want to stop for a minute and talk just a second about this. Because you might be sitting there going, Pastor, some people are not, they're not I shouldn't be around them. You're right. Forgiveness does not mean you go back. Right? The, the analogy is a dog that eats its own vomit. Forgiveness does not always mean that you allow somebody to hurt you again. It does mean you no longer hold that against them, though. You can learn a lesson And still forgive. You can learn the lesson not to be around somebody. Not to allow their influence in your life. And still forgive. Now there are certain things that override that. We talked about marriage last week. That's one of them. If you're married, you better learn to forgive and fast. Because there's going to be a lot. Most of you, actually all of you in here have been married longer than I have been if you've been married, except for you're the only one, Andy, and it's because you're not married yet. Sorry, brother. Everybody else in here has been married longer than I have been. So you understand. But forgiveness does not mean you allow somebody to hurt you again. It does mean something way harder. You don't hold that grudge against them. Forgiveness means that when you're having a fight, you don't bring up something that happened yesterday or two years ago or 15 years ago because it's forgiven. If you go, well, you said this, you haven't forgiven them. And forgiveness, or or not, excuse me, unforgiveness eats away at you. It causes you to become a bitter person that nobody wants to be around. It causes you to become the very thing that you hated in the person that you won't forgive. I don't love cliches and songs, but there's the one song by Matthew West, Forgiveness. And in the song, he says, the person it truly frees is you. I always hated that line because I was like, ugh, it's so cliched. But it's true. Forgiveness isn't always about the other people involved. It's about you. There was a day I was 18 years old. Nope. Yes, I was 18 years old, and I was getting ready to go to college and be a pastor. And my dad looked at me and said, your ministry, there was a longer conversation before this, but I'm not going to recount the whole thing. Your ministry will fail because you have not forgiven your mother. It will fail. You might do some good things for the kingdom of God, but you cannot Do all that God has for you as long as you hold that unforgiveness in your heart. And he was 100% right. And I'm telling you this morning, as long as you hold any unforgiveness in your heart against anyone, you cannot do what God has for you. He might use you in some ways, but you cannot be the man or woman that God has for you to be as long as you hold unforgiveness in your heart. It's a command. Do it no matter how many times they've hurt you, no matter how many times they will hurt you. Let's flip the script, though. It's been about 20 minutes. So let's talk about the flip side of it. You need to ask for forgiveness because the fact of the matter is, as much as everybody has wronged you, you have wronged everybody else just as much, maybe more. Don't keep track. And from a very, very young age, my dad taught us that Forgiveness and asking a forgiveness is an important thing. My dad has asked forgiveness of me multiple times when he knew he did wrong. He worked without all the information. He, the punishment was too, the discipline was too strong. He didn't know everything yet. Right? It happens. Parents aren't perfect either. And you're going to make mistakes. Maddie and I have talked about it. We don't have kids yet. Lord willing, someday we will. And when we do, we will make mistakes. And we will have to ask forgiveness of our kids. They might be our kids, and we are in charge of them and their authorities. But they are still loved in God's sight. And we're on an equal playing field. So I need to ask forgiveness of them. And as a kid, my dad taught me, and he taught taught all four of us, but taught me how to ask for forgiveness. So I want to give you a couple of rules when asking for forgiveness. Start following them in your life and tell me if it doesn't make a difference because it has in every life that I've noticed it in. Number one, never say, I'm sorry. Never say, I'm sorry. Just throw throw those words out. They're meaningless. Quite frankly. Never say, I'm sorry. Number two, When you are going to ask for forgiveness, always state exactly what you did. Never say, I'm asking forgiveness for the way I acted yesterday. No, no. I'm asking forgiveness for saying that you are an idiot in our argument yesterday. It's way harder because you have to name what you did. But it lets the other person know That you know what you did, and you are asking for forgiveness. If you don't know what you did, ask. And please don't pull the, well, if you don't know, then I'm not going to tell you. Let people know. If they ask what they've done to you, let them know. Because they can't ask forgiveness unless they know. State what you did. And say, I'm asking for forgiveness. State that what you did was wrong. Don't say, I'm asking forgiveness for calling you an idiot yesterday, even though you kind of are. won't work that well. Even if what you did is not necessarily wrong, it might be wrong in their eyes. And I'm not talking about the black and white, right and wrong things, right? We know. Scripture is pretty clear. There are a lot of things that are right and a lot of things that are wrong. But there are some things that are gray areas. And as Maddie and I have talked about on many occasions, and I've talked about with other people, reality is not reality. Perception is reality. How do you perceive what somebody said or did? Never let somebody tell you that your emotions aren't valid. They are. They might be the wrong emotion in the moment. You might not have all of the facts that you need. You may have jumped to conclusions, but your emotions are valid in the moment. You may need to work on your emotions, but don't let somebody go, well, you shouldn't feel that way because maybe you shouldn't, but you do. You need to work on that later. So never say, I'm sorry. Name exactly what you did. Say, I'm asking forgiveness for, insert blank. Say that it was wrong, that you were wrong. Let me rephrase that. Say that you were wrong. I'm asking forgiveness. I was wrong for calling you an idiot in our fight. Will you forgive me? That's the fifth one, right? Was that four or five? Either way. Will you forgive me? That does two things. The biggest one is it puts it on the other person now. The second thing it does is clear your conscience before God. God does not say you need to get forgiveness. God says, ask forgiveness. If Maddie and I are in a fight and I say, honey, I'm sorry. Nope, see, you gotta retrain yourself. Honey, I'm asking forgiveness. I was wrong to call you an idiot in our fight yesterday. Will you forgive me? It's in her court now. If she says, yes, I forgive you, then it needs to be done. There's no more repercussions. There's no more consequences. It's done between the two of us. There might be consequences outside of our marriage, but the consequences between the two of us, it's done. She can't bring it up later. I can't bring it up later. She can't hold it against me. It's done. If she says no, then she needs to take it up with God but my conscience is clear in the eyes of God if I'm truly asking forgiveness. Not that, you know how it is when you're like, okay, now you two need to ask forgiveness. I'm sorry, right? If you are truly asking forgiveness, your eyes are clear. Your conscience is clear in the eyes of God. One or two other things. This isn't what my dad necessarily taught me, but these are things I've gotten from scripture. I give myself, and I would encourage you to do the same. 48 hours, a maximum of 24 hours to cool down because I'm an angry person, so I get angry. A maximum of 24 hours to cool off, and then a maximum of 24 hours to go and make it right. If I can do it in the first 24-hour period, I do. If I can do it within 12, I do my best to. You don't want to hold that because the longer you hold it, the more it eats at you. Be the bigger person. The amount of times that my dad would come and talk to me and he'd be like, all right, what happened? And I'm talking to him. And he's like, you know, you need to go ask forgiveness. And I'm like, but I didn't do anything wrong. And he goes, I know. Go be the bigger person and make it right. I didn't raise you to wait for others. You go be the bigger person. You make it right. Church, be the bigger person no matter how hard it is, no matter how much you not you just don't want to, be the bigger person. Forgive people. Every single time, forgive people. And ask for forgiveness every single time. Make it right. You be the one that steps out. If they don't forgive, that's between them and God. You step out and do the right thing. As Charles Stanley says, the, and, and my parents say because of him, Do the right thing, leave the consequences up to God. Sometimes there are major consequences for doing the right thing. That's all right, because God's in charge. Ask forgiveness and forgive others. You'll notice your relationships start to get a whole lot better because you've wronged people and you've been wronged. So you have two choices just like God did. You can forgive or you can become the bitter old man or woman that nobody wants to be around your choice. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning. I thank you that you have forgiven us. Though we didn't deserve it and we never could deserve it, you have forgiven us. Father, I'm asking that you would help us to forgive others because it is incredibly difficult. It's one of the hardest things you've commanded for us to do. It's right up there with love. Forgive other people. Father, I'm also asking that you would help us to ask for forgiveness because we need it every moment of every day, not just from you, but from the people we've wronged in this life, because we've done it. We've sinned against you, we've sinned against other people, and we need to ask forgiveness. Father, I praise you. We praise you. It's in the name of your son that we pray, amen and amen.